was listening to this speaker, and they were essentially talking about how Christians today need to take responsibility and kind of make amends for the mistakes that Christians have made in the past. And as I was thinking about that point, I realized that that's not really a biblical stance. And it got me thinking about kind of the perspective that we as believers should have on time as a whole. So how we how we view the past, the present, and the future, and what a godly perspective of those things looks like. So I want to start a new series today that kind of talks about those things, about what a godly perspective of the past, present, and future are, and what the purpose of those things should be in our life. So let's begin today by talking about the past so that we can address this issue. So let's begin by talking about what the purpose of the past is not, and what is the past not meant to do for us. The first of those things is that the past is not meant to be a burden for us to carry. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, it says, The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. So in this verse, we see here the, the disconnect between individual sin. That one person's sin doesn't carry over to somebody else. And we see that even with a parent-child relationship, that the child is not being held guilty for the mistakes that the parent has made. So if a parent and child aren't having to be accountable for each other's decisions, then why should we as Christians feel responsible for the decisions that other believers have made, especially believers who have died long before we were born? See, God holds us accountable to our sin only. He doesn't hold us accountable for the sins of other people because we're not responsible for the mistakes that other people have made. We all have free will, and that free will is limited to ourselves alone. And so it would be really unfair for God to expect one person to be held accountable for the decisions of somebody else. Now, we still want to be able to learn from the mistakes of other people so that we don't repeat those same mistakes in our own life. But it's important for us to realize this, that the burdens that other people have to bear for their mistakes are not placed upon us as well for being uh, tied to them in some way or even related to them. God isn't going to hold us accountable for other people's decisions. He only holds us accountable for our sin. And even then, the burden that we bear from our own sin isn't something that we have to continue to bear because God is willing to remove even our own burdens from mistakes that we have made in the past. One of the greatest uh, verses in Scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new is here. And this is where Christians kind of get the terminology of uh, being born again, 
or having a second birth, which is a really super spiritual term that most people don't understand. And it's the uh, main thing that Jesus talks to Nicodemus about in John chapter 3 is this idea of uh, being born again and not just born through water, but born through the spirit as well. And so Paul kind of tags along with that in 2 Corinthians by using this terminology of becoming a new creation when somebody gives their life to Christ. And if you've ever seen somebody before they had given their life to Christ and afterwards, it really is like a completely new person, that this old shell that they were before has been completely filled, and it's like there's somebody brand new. And that's because God, before God comes into our life, we do have to carry that burden of the mistakes that we make. And every single mistake we've made throughout our entire past is placed upon our shoulders until we receive the saving grace of Jesus and give our life over to him. And then he takes that burden away from us and pays the price of our sin for us. And so even then, the mistakes that we have made in our past isn't something that we have to continue to bear. So not only do we not have to carry the burden of other people's mistakes, we don't even have to carry the burden of our own mistakes. And that's why we shouldn't give ourselves this false guilt and think that we have to somehow fix what God has already forgiven. We don't have to fix it. It's already been paid for. It's been taken care of by Jesus' blood as he died on the cross for our sin. It's been forgiven. We don't have to fix it. We can't even do that. We can't go back into the past and fix something. What has happened has happened. You can't change the past, but you can give the burden of your past to Jesus for him to carry. So don't try to fix what God has forgiven. Now, of course, you don't want to repeat those mistakes either going forward, and you do want to make a life adjustment, a change in your life, so you aren't continuing in your sin. Scripture is very clear about that, that repentance isn't just, oh, I'm sorry, and then you keep doing it. Repentance is a full 180 turn where you say, I am not going to live that way anymore. But we shouldn't try to go and fix mistakes that we have made in the past. The past is not meant to burden us. And then kind of the flip side of that is also true, where the past is also not meant to be glorified. And that's something that we can see people do sometimes, where they talk about how good things used to be. And, oh, if we could just go back to those golden days, then everything would be so much better. But we shouldn't have that attitude either. If you look at the Israelite people, when God led them out of Egypt, and, you know, Moses goes into Egypt while the Israelites are in slavery, and you get the whole let my people go and the plagues come, and God finally frees his people from slavery in Egypt, what happens is that the Israelites get a misguided view of what their life was before. And this is seen uh, most clearly in Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, where it says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. 
on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So this, uh, <laughs> these verses are so interesting because the Israelites have come out of slavery and yet they are grumbling and complaining about the situation they're, they're in now, which is just in the desert without food. And they're saying, oh, if only we could go back to how life was in Egypt, where they were in slavery. But see, they were looking for something to complain about, and they got a misperception of what their life was like before, and only cherry-picked the highlights from that, and conveniently forgot about all of the troubles that they had to deal with. And I really love in this passage that they're complaining about not having food while God is already preparing to bring them food miraculously. But they are so focused on how things used to be before and wanting to go back to what they had before that they came very close to missing what God wanted to do for them at that point in time. But that's what can happen when we glorify the past, is we can spend eternity looking backwards, looking in the rearview mirror, and saying, I just want to go back to that and completely miss what God is trying to do for us now. We get so busy wishing for the past that we can miss what God wants to do in the present. And again, as I was saying before, you can't go to that past. You can't go back in time and return to that day. So it's completely pointless and fruitless to try to do so, to try to go back to that time, because it can't be done. Just like how, as a grown adult, you can't go back to wearing the clothes that you wore when you were a child. Those clothes don't fit anymore. And if you try to squeeze into them, it would not look good. It would look very unappealing to try to do that. And it truly does look unappealing in our spiritual life when we are trying to go back and put ourselves into a past condition that we were in. Because we've grown out from that. We're at a different point in our life. And God isn't wanting to just do a rerun of what he's done before. He wants to do something new and fresh in your life today. But in order for us to be attentive to what God wants, us, wants to do in our life today, in order to receive that, we have to be willing to let go of what came before. And to not try to glorify it, not put those past events on a pedestal, but instead realize that that was great for the time, but we are in a different place now, and to let God do that new work in us today. We shouldn't expect God's works 
to be reruns of our past experience. We need to not glorify our past. So if the past is not meant to burden us, and it's not meant to be glorified, then what is the past used for? What is the purpose of having those memories of the life we've had before now? Wouldn't it be better to just forget about it entirely? Absolutely not. Because the past does still have a purpose. And that purpose is to remind us of the great works that God has done. When God was moving the Ark of the Covenant with the Israelite people, he brought them across the Jordan River. And even though it was a high tide uh, for that time of year, when they stepped into the river, it dried up completely and they were able to walk over on dry ground, similar to what happened with Moses at uh, the Red Sea. But this was at the Jordan River. It was another time that it happened with Joshua. And I want us to see what God instructs after the Israelite people brought the Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan River, where God miraculously stopped the flow of the water and let them cross on dry ground. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So here we have God instructing his people to take these stones and build an altar with these stones that will stand as a reminder for future generations of what God has done. And this, then, can be an encouragement for those who weren't there to witness the event that the story can be passed down to them and they can recognize the wonderful work that God did and take encouragement from that. Because when we see the and learn about the wonderful things that God has done, it really does help us to trust in him and have the have have that ability to step out in faith because we know that God has done miraculous things before, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he can continue to do a miraculous work in our life today as long as we continue to trust him. And it's easier to trust him as we learn about and remember 
and are being reminded of the ways that God has been faithful in the past. And so as the past reminds us of God's work and reminds us of God's faithfulness, it encourages us and helps us to trust him going forward. And sometimes we need those reminders. It's one thing to know about something, but to get so caught up in everything else going on that we easily forget about that. I set so many reminders on my phone to help me remember anything that I have to do because I know that I'll forget it as I just get caught up doing other things. And so I need those reminders every now and then to remind me of what I need to do. And the same thing applies in our spiritual life of not only reminding us of things that we have to do, but to even encourage us to step out in faith going forward. But sometimes we get so busy that we forget to remind ourselves of those things. Every time I watch any kind of end of the year highlight reel, it's sometimes amazing to see how much you forget. That you can go through the whole year feeling so busy constantly and feel like you're not getting anywhere or getting anything done. But then at the end of the year, you'll watch one of those highlight reels of, of look at all of these great moments from the past year. And that's always so encouraging to me as I look forward into the next year. That I'm not just sitting there going, ah, oh, it's going to be another year of more work. And I feel like, you know, I just did a whole year of work and I just have to keep working and working and working. And, you know, when, when will it ever end? And what, what's the point? It's easy to feel that way sometimes. But when you watch one of those highlight reels of look what you did accomplish this last year, look at all of the wonderful experiences and the wonderful things that we did. As you watch that, you sometimes recognize it as you're reminded of those things that, wow, I, I did more than I thought I did. And there was results for all of that hard work that I put in. And that as I watch those things, as I see those things, I then say, I wonder what this next year will be like. What wonderful things will happen a year from now? And then instead of feeling burnt out, I feel excited to step into what's yet to come. That is what the past is supposed to do for us. To encourage us to continue forward where God is leading us. That we're reminded of the wonderful faithfulness that God has shown and all that he has been able to accomplish for his kingdom through our faithfulness and through our obedience. And when we're reminded of those things, it gets us ready to continue in them and to step forward into the future and everything that's to come next. That's truly what the purpose of the past is, is to prepare us for the future, to prepare us for everything that's coming down the pipeline, to give us the tools we need, the resources we need, and even the encouragement that we need to continue forward, not, not uh, burnt out, but ready 
and excited. The purpose of the past is to prepare us for the future. Not to burden us, not to be glorified, but to prepare us. And that wraps up everything I'd like to talk about concerning the past. And then in the next coming weeks, we'll talk about a godly perspective and the purpose of the present and the future. So I hope that you return for that. But until then, this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there um, and kind of increase the influence that God can have in this world. But until next time, thank you again for listening, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you.